Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Series 2 of Not Another Sales Podcast. I'm Chris Hatfield, aka Not Another Sales Guy. I'm a sales and mindfulness coach, trainer, consultant, and speaker. I work with corporate sales teams and leaders, along with startup business owners passionate about what they do, but wanting to up their sales game. My main mission is helping us all become more mindful of how we elevate our performance, perspective, and potential. If you want to know more, then look me up on LinkedIn. Chris Hatfield, always happy to chat. So if you're new to Not Another Sales Podcast, here's what to expect. It's aimed at giving you insights into how you can be successful within the world of sales, whether that's your career or your own business. We go deeper into the thought process and mindset needed for success when selling and when running a business, not just the skills and output. So if you're looking for a podcast with a difference that starts with the mind in mind, this is for you. So enough about me, let's get started. On today's episode of Not Another Sales Podcast, I'm joined by Judy Fox and Richard Moore. Judy is a LinkedIn video and content strategist and speaker, and Richard is a sales consultant, trainer, and founder of Entrepreneur's Business Live. And we're going to be talking about why aren't you generating opportunities through LinkedIn? We're going to be discussing some of the things that get in the way of generating leads through LinkedIn, some things to avoid, what's required to be successful on a platform like that, and if you're starting from scratch or from zero, where do you need to begin and what's going to make you successful? So if you want to start generating more opportunities through LinkedIn, this episode is for you. So sit back and enjoy. Judy and Richard, welcome. How are you? Great. I'm good, thank you. (laughs) Really good, cheers. (laughs) Good. Thank you for joining me on an episode of Not Another Sales Podcast. So for people that are tuning in and haven't heard of you, and they are very few and far between, I'm sure, it would be great to give them a bit of context and a overview of, of who you are. So, uh, Richard, let's kick off with you. Shall I introduce Judy and she can introduce me? Yeah, why not? So, oh. Judy, like, no, I won't. Unless you, shall I do that? Would that be fun, Judy? <laughs> I have to see what your latest announcement is on your page. Like, going to LinkedIn, making is it, sure... This I is the test of who's done the, who's done the homework. <laughs> Neither of us have. Judy Fox is amazing. No, I'll just do me. Like, no, like, no, no, you can do me. Okay. I'll do you. All right, in fact, Judy Fox is awesome. In in my top five people online, she's one of my favorites. And we've known each other probably two years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. About two years because of LinkedIn. Met on LinkedIn. More specifically, Judy Fox is has this uncanny ability to have um, video and fun and stimulation um, driving something commercial. And typically, most people can't marry the two together. So you end up with fun videos good for you or boring stuff related to commercial but when you put the two together um and the fun thing is like you don't even need to ask judy you go and look at her clients and testimonials they're not just oh yeah it's going all right they're effusive about how well they do so uh, if you want to grow aggressively especially with video uh linkedin uh, uh like has to be done through judy fox it's a really good way of doing it but there wasn't enough so judy then pivoted to tiktok picked up a bunch there and YouTube as well. And she had, you know, the YouTubers of the world saying, what's this LinkedIn thing going on? About, I think it was about a year or so ago. And so she's bridged the gap cross-platform and uh, a valuable asset for the LinkedIn community. Uh, and w- when she's um, endowed with a spectacular second name as Fox, you have to have, you know, woodland creatures around you. And that's why she's got this backdrop. 
and uh, and leverages Fox name uh, in her marketing, which is which is kind of cool as well. So so much more to say. But there you go, and Fox Rocks, what a hashtag. <laughs> well, thank you, Richard, yeah. Sir Richard Moore, for that amazing introduction. And Richard is very well known on the LinkedIn platform. His content creation is the most consistent of any creator that I know. It is always on point, always delivering value, and I can pop in to any piece of content and immediately walk away with something extremely valuable. And he also does the exact same thing. He is constantly converting to conversations. His DM and, I don't know, conversation game is off the charts, especially if you listen to his weekly live streamed show. He well is truly the macro creator taking it to micro and I'm inspired by him all the time. He's also on my list of my top creators that I go check on. And I do have what I call my favorites list. And I go check on them because they're my favorites. <laughs> all right, Judy, justice there. Thank you, Judy. That's very kind. <laughs> oh, and your it. hashtag is rich tips. Hashtag Thank rich you. Tips. I was wondering where that come in. Yes. yes. Hashtag rich yes. Tips. Got to close with the hashtags on both of us. The call to action here is go follow our hashtags. Type in the exactly. search bar. Hashtag rich tips and hashtag Fox rocks. And Chris, do you have a hashtag? Not another sales guy. There you go. Hashtag not another sales guy. So yeah, that's probably our hashtags uh, covered. Yeah. <laughs> the <laughs> best introductions that. I've ever had, I think. They are. <laughs> <laughs> Saying a pinnacle at the top of the podcast. Nice. <laughs> and uh, you, you, thank you again, you know, both so much, obviously, from what you've said there and having known you for, I think, probably over a year now, both of you actually, and we both each of them met on LinkedIn as well. Uh, LinkedIn's mentioned regularly there and, and I think it's kind of forms a nice theme for the the episode today. And one of the things that I've started doing on the pod recently was is getting some insights and some thoughts around some of these comments and statements that we get in the in the world of selling and uh, business where they're kind of like throwaway comments and a lot of it sometimes comes from LinkedIn recently with people having to adapt, particularly in the current climate of been what's going on. Richard and I are obviously talking about people being more remote now and it becoming more of a an essential, but there's still some myths around it. And I think one of the things that might necessarily be a myth, but also a belief from some people is that I just can't generate any business from LinkedIn. What am I doing wrong? Or am I just not in the right market to do so? So I'd love to get your thoughts and insights on that and maybe some ideas of what people are doing wrong or some of the things to sort of switch that up and focus on more. So Judy, let's let's kick off with you. What's your thoughts around that? I thought we would do rock, paper, scissors or something. <laughs> I know, I was going to do that. <laughs> okay, go on then. Go on then, but you've got to do it vocally as well. Say, <laughs> I will say the first thing that people come to LinkedIn and they want to extract out of it. They want to get, 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 me, me, me. And that's not going to work. That's not going to get you sales to come into LinkedIn with a either attitude that you get a, what I call the social capital credit card. And if you, all you do is think you can plug it in and extract, you're not going to get any money off of this card. <laughs> but if you actually go out and feed into this card, go out, have amazing conversations, go out, start increasing your reputation, increasing your social capital connections, the conversations that you're having, who you surround yourself by, building a high quality network, not just based on titles, but based on 
awesome, amazing human beings talking about really incredible things, getting in the right conversations, being a thought leader in that space. Then when you build your content, when you create content, people are there for it. Then when you drive traffic over to your profile, there's more trust there. So you just, you have to build up that social capital and it happens over time. A lot of people just want to extract, spam the platform, and that will get you blocked and deleted very quickly by many people. (laughs) So Mm. in a very short summary, that's what I think about why people come and they say, oh, nothing happens on LinkedIn. Nothing happens. I get a lot of clients that say, I hired a lead gen company. I've done three lead gen companies and I've only gotten one quality lead and that's it. And I said, because we can smell a lead gen company from, I don't know, 20,000 miles away. Everyone on the platform sees that coming in their direct messages and they shrug their shoulders just like I just did. And they're like, eh, what am I going to do with that? Block, delete, mark as spam. They don't want anything to do with it. So, mm. Yeah, absolutely. And what about you, Richard? I think Judy's kind of nailed it. And, and <laughs> one of the things that's interesting is she has, one of the things that's really interesting is that LinkedIn's been around a very, very long time. And in work, aside from those who are just joining the workforce now, who are like Gen Z or whatever, um, we all joined it years ago. Like, every, like people who are, what, over 25, 26, they all joined it years ago. So the old style of LinkedIn of it being a place where you kind of just, had essentially resume or CV and, and you might connect on it as about as far as it went. And otherwise it was just the stalking ground of recruiters. I being one of them at one point was just like, this is just where I go to find people to pitch, to try and join my team. Uh, whereas now, of course, so there's so much, so much more multifaceted. If you just think about, to give it, to give it a sense of how it's different, we've gone from that world to it about to roll out the beta of LinkedIn stories like on Instagram, that's how far it's come. It's glitches, hell, man. But like, it's getting... So the point was interesting is that it's changed so much. But what hasn't changed, as Judy Riley points out, is that um, people aren't identifying with empathy what a prospect they want to reach out to would be feeling, the sound touchy feel is important, when they receive that first message. And the hilarious thing is is that we all get them all the time. We know precisely what not to send. So when you, I said this earlier on my live stream, when you um, copy and paste a wall of text that's templated with, hey, I do this, and I know I can help with that, and hey, here's my ebook, because you know that's value, right? Even if you try and do that, it doesn't work because you haven't earned the right to get any to get any kind of buy-in from them from the first um, conversation. So... Quite, Julie's totally right. You've got to focus on the good conversations, stimulate interesting conversations, and start as you would with someone in real life. Like, how would you start the conversation? Hey, not, hello, Mr. Moore. Hey, how's it going? I saw you're into skateboarding too. That's cool. When did you start? I don't know. Stuff like that. Just be normal. It's far better to have a few of somebody skateboarding. Yeah. (laughs) So the thing is important to, to have a bit more empathy for the fact that, like, when you approach someone cold, with anything other than I'd quite like to connect with you or words to that effect, they smell your mile off as because we're all so conditioned by 2020 that that's just selling me. So no one wants to be sold to. And so the, all the people you'll ever do a deal with are on LinkedIn right now. So the good news is if you're not making any sales or getting any leads, it's your fault. There's not a conspiracy against you. It's all you. So you can change it quite, quite swiftly. 
Yeah, I um, I find it fascinating and hilarious. Some of the messages you get, and you probably do too as well, of connection requests and the initial messages of like, would you say that at a networking event? Like, would you just walk up to someone and go, I'm actively looking to grow my network? So, okay, <laughs> isn't everyone? <laughs> we just go weird online. Yeah, where's the benefit? Online. Or like, would you like to join this free webinar? It's like going up to someone at a networking event going, hey, I'm going to talk to a group of people over there. Do you want to come and listen? It's like, mm. who are you? Like, why, why do I care? <laughs> like, what's in it for me? Uh, you know, I was talking a lot. I did a talk last week on neuroselling. And one of the things, a bit of background here is that 90% of our decision-making is subconscious, driven by our primal brain. And one of the things that our primal brain looks for is personable factors. And a lot of messaging and communication is I rather than you, which is all about, well, what's in it for me? That's all the brain's thinking. So when you're saying, I'd love a call, I'd love to connect with you is like you say, it feels superficial because it's not aimed at you. It's aimed at someone else. Um, and the other thing that I, I wanted to ask your thoughts on, and Judy, you mentioned it right at the start, was this idea of going onto the platform and take, take, take. Where do you think this kind of approach comes from? Like, where is that driven from, do you think, to, to get people like salespeople or, you know, not just talking about salespeople, but anyone that's selling on the platform to have that kind of attitude of thinking, I'm this just having that kind of naive mindset thinking that this is going to work? I think there's the old style of the thinking about it as still cold calling and trying to merge online activity with what we might have done in the past with cold calling. And I'm not saying they all have their places, cold messaging, cold calling, they can have their place. But I think too many people took what the idea of taking cold calling and tried to merge it onto LinkedIn. And so that became like cold networking where there wasn't really anybody to kind of explain to people how it might work to transition from phone calls and things that didn't happen on the internet. And now the internet exists. And so I think like, like Richard was saying, LinkedIn's gone through a lot of iterations from the early inceptions in the early 2000s 2020. It's different. And that's why I think the idea of how to show up on LinkedIn and be increasing your touch points to get to a point where you can get that phone call because a phone call is just another touch point. But a lot of times along the way, you have to at least have touch points and touch points can be you making a comment on their post touch point can be a light direct message. A touch point could be them listening to this podcast. <laughs> and maybe it's like how many touch points does one podcast because sometimes they listen to the whole thing. That's a pretty big touch point. I think you can convert pretty quickly from some pieces of content because they have more value to them and they maybe count as more touch points. But I just think of thinking it of it like that. Did that answer your question? Because <laughs> I feel like... The platform, like you said, is take, 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 but you have to touch, touch, touch <laughs> before you take, but that sounds <laughs> really wrong. <laughs> You're totally Interesting right, headline to draw people in there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. That's an interrupt there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but Judy's totally right, though, and, and, and the truth is that's always been the case because the whole thing begins with trust and, and trust and familiarity, which is why... If you do try try and take the content route and, and video being a great example, you're conditioning that audience about what you're like to work with. You're giving them a sense of who you are and, and simply observing someone long enough. It's one of the reasons why I do my Q&A each week is it's an opportunity to show vid, through video what I'm just like. 
And without any kind of rehearsal, I'm just being me every week for an hour. So people have a sense of me. And, and on a subconscious level, if they vibe with that, then they have a sense that actually this is the kind of a person I might want to work with. And, and it's so important to keep doing that. So that consistency is crucial. Yeah, it just it's, it's fascinating because um, I think as well, a lot of people aren't consciously thinking about what they're doing. Mm. And so the intention they've got is, well, I'm going to go on LinkedIn and, and if everyone's there, I just want to ask and maybe someone will be polite enough just to give me like what I want. And they will just say, And so I think that we, some people actually aren't thinking and they go a little bit childlike. And I'm talking specifically about those who haven't sold or had any training or any kind of uh, experience in it in the past. They'll, be just, they'll just ask and they'll just simply say, uh, hey, I need this. You know, and that, that's the problem is that if we don't know what to do, we, we probably regress to the kind of a childlike approach of just, I don't know, we'll just ask then. And there's maybe too much science and psychology in it um, for uh, an entry level person to realize. But, but when you just stop for a second and like the number one thing is just start, say to yourself, what would I respond to? Because I'm pretty much like most people. I would have a problem with this and a problem with that, but I'd be okay with that. So try that thing. And, and, and if you wouldn't respond to it, probably, unless you're a weird person, <laughs> probably other people wouldn't either. Yeah. Yeah. I think it, you know, for, for me as well, I think, you know, having been in the sales environment and still am really like sold selling is kind of people seem to have lost the art of patience, I think with, and that's why it sort of, transcends through to social like you said Richard it's there it's easily accessible you can go and find someone it's an easier option sometimes than trying to get through to someone on the phone and therefore you think I'm just going to send my message and everyone has this perception of oh I tried social media for a couple of weeks and it didn't work it's like well it's an ongoing process you know you, you need to kind of build the foundations first of all which which I learned from seeing what you both do and what you've you talked about is and then sort of you know someone that you start working with they might have seen your content like two or three months ago and, and to your point Richard I think you mentioned last week or a couple of times that people might not even have never liked or commented on your content but they're listening and they're watching and they're they're observing and they get an idea of it and I think salespeople just need to have a bit more of a, a long game of thinking do you know what even if I start now even within this current pandemic I might not generate opportunities but in this moment but one or two months down the line I'll be further ahead than anyone else in the business if I do so. I think a problem as well though is that we've got volume here. Like the, the latest stats are getting on for 700 million. When you have that much volume, that's why, like imagine if there were 13 people on LinkedIn, you'd be really careful about your approach, right? Mm. There's almost 700 million. So people don't mind, like that's why they keep spamming because it's a bottomless pit of, of people and shots at goal. And, and I think that's an issue. It's like if you've got unlimited resource in terms of leads, well, why don't you just not bother and try and cut corners? And that's that's the issue. And I, th I think that um, people need to act as though they don't have that many leads and be pleasantly surprised because then they'll put the effort in. But the nice thing is you get out what you put in and, and um, people learn from that, I hope. Well, I definitely noticed that, you know, I... I'm not sure if people are not explaining this, but there are certain products that do lend themselves to maybe a bit more of a spammy cold go after a ton of leads and see where it falls because you have maybe just a software that's a plug and play or something that's a little less high touch, high ticket. But the moment you end up in anything that's high touch, so they have to spend time with you, Richard, mm. just like you showed 
you show in the live Q&A what it's going to be like to work with you. That's the power of making any type of content on the platform. If you have a financial manager, you should be out there showing your face and what it's like to trust you and work with you and hear your advice about investing or what's happening in the current market. If you're a real estate agent, same thing. You need to be showing... These are people we want to trust. We're literally going house to house or property to property and spending a ton of money and investing a huge amount. They're higher ticket and they should never be spam because mm. I just don't see how that converts. It's just going to convert so much better if you create even just 10 high quality connections, they turn into more and then more. <laughs> So, and that actually that relates as well to those looking for careers. I've done a lot of university lectures um, in previous months up until the lockdown, and um, you know they're they're like they're waiting with the CVs, and maybe I could feed it in through a portal, and and it's the same. It's like it's it's a very high touch point thing. Getting a job, someone's going to you know really have to buy into you. And one way to look at it, which relates to content, is well, when you have an interview, they're going to ask you your opinions on stuff. You know, they're going to ask you what you think about things, and so you should be sharing that. Um, I had a, a fun lecture at uh, University of Nottingham. There was a lot of consult people going for consultancy work and and um, finance jobs and insurance and things like that. And um, it was like, so what? What do you read? Oh, I read the Economist or I read the Financial Times. Right. So when you go to an interview, they'll ask you. You know, what, what's your opinion on this? Because your answer is going to be uh, feeding in as a touch point, if you like, in terms of how they end up giving you a job or not and um, if they like you. And so why wouldn't you share that kind of thing? So I think we should really, people should be thinking about learning to express themselves. They don't have to go all in in terms of every small detail about themselves, but they should be learning that if they share their opinion, then it is broadcast to more people and that allows even more people then to come in their direction and it allows you to to not resonate with everyone because the right people will then see you and and it makes life a lot easier Mm -hmm. Mm, absolutely so with linkedin now becoming more and more prominent i think you know it's evolved as you mentioned earlier richard with some betas around what's coming up what do you think in terms of like habits traits or skills like one or two that are going to make people successful on not just maybe this platform, but any platform in terms of like how they operate and, and what they do, not just from a process point of view, but from a thought point of view. What's your, what's your thoughts on that, Judy? Oh, I thought you were going to ask Richard. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think the, you know, what he was just saying, what Richard was just saying about, you know, getting comfortable expressing yourself, being on video. It's not comfortable. It took a lot of years for me to actually post a video on LinkedIn. Granted, they just started native video, but even just the idea of uploading a video to YouTube, I mean, I was nervous. I thought I was going to throw up. I felt shaky. Like my first videos, I, I can just remember being like, why am I doing this? Why am I filming a video? Like, <laughs> why am I talking to a camera? It doesn't feel right. And I'm so glad, I'm so glad that I did it. And now that we have more FaceTime, more Zoom, we've been forced to communicate electronically with each other. It's not going the other direction. It's not going to decrease all of a sudden. It's just going to keep increasing how much companies and clients and business is going to get performed and trust is having to be built through social media interaction and video. So 
there's that. And then I think the other thing is constantly being aware of the ask. Like, I love that we both love the term earn the right to ask, but I always think you should be asking. It's like, instead of always be closing, always be asking for something. So I, I was mentioning to a client the other day, if you can sense that something you're just getting one of those touch points, don't always think this has to close. But if you're at a touch point, come up with an ask. Maybe that ask is, um, you cannot figure out exactly that they're going to close. So you say to them like, Hey, let's stay in touch, stay on my content, go follow my hashtag. It's hashtag Fox rocks would so appreciate that, but make sure you're reciprocal and you go like, and comment on something they've put out. If it makes sense, hopefully if you want to work together, it makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) And you know, you show some level of engagement. If they have no content, at least be very engaged with responding back. If they show up for your content, give them a great comment back and be reciprocal. And that's why it turns into more touch points. Always be asking again, if you're on a call and you realize you've given a ton and they say, oh my gosh, this was so valuable. You say, okay, well then would you be willing to write me a recommendation? Or if this isn't a good fit for us right now, if you can think of anybody from my business that you would refer to me, I'd be glad to work with you on a referral or just always be asking for something because you cannot always close every single human being, but that person could multiply your message out to others. Yeah, because mm. it's, it's fascinating. If you look at the route this can take, um, your ask might just be, it's basically it's about continuing to stimulate conversation and people have to be willing now uh, to do the thing they probably knew they always should do, which is deploy time and effort. And if you do that enough with people, you will start getting some results. But what's really interesting is that even if that person doesn't turn into a deal, that person is, is you know, the world now is very unlike it, the way it used to be. Everyone, no matter how big or small, has a network now. Their network might be 10 people, it might be 10 million, but they all have a network. And so if you're showing up for per- for someone, just like uh, Judy's suggested, you do find that they feel it's what's known, well, I've coined this term, like a value debt. And so they're like, well, I should kind of show up for, for Judy. I, I, and they don't feel, they're not thinking this consciously. They're like, I just, I really want to give back a bit. And there's, and there's a really nice interchange that you end up getting with this person. But every time they do it, if we look at most of the platforms, the platform then feeds your content where they're showing up uh, to their network a little bit. And so four of their people on their, in their small network might see you and that's how you grow. And I just think it's stunning how you can look after li- the little guys who may never even buy anything and you get so much in return. And what's interesting is that a deal is the most tangible way of sensing a return on investment for those efforts. But there's a whole periphery of very, very useful returns on that investment. And they can be things as simple as, you know, you wake up one day, you pull up your, your, your browser and you see someone's written a post about you, you know, or someone has tagged you in a comment and you're getting this reputation. People love writing lists of the, you know, there was one last year, like the top 50 people who do social selling, whatever, and then you're in there, you know, and it's stuff like that, that, that is still very powerful. And then you, you've got to understand there's so much business um, by referral and by third party and by proxy, as opposed to the direct route. And so, you know, you, we, we need to be all thinking to ourselves that the, the world we're in now is one where 
sure we should contribute to other people's conversations, but we need to host our own as well. We should really be hosting the party. And rather than just being someone who says something on a particular topic, you are, you are very much um, uh, a hub or a, re- a place where people come for stimulating new conversations. So we're all here on your podcast but equally, we should be doing our own things as well, you see. And, and I think that's crucial. Uh, it's a lot of reciprocity, isn't there? Mm, yeah, absolutely. Making an intro. <laughs> <laughs> I think, um, yeah, I, lo- I, love, I love both your points there. I think, you know, particularly at a, a time where we are right now, where it, people might find it more challenging to sell the product or service, it's just remind yourself in every single interaction online and offline, you're still selling yourself. And, you know, it's not, it goes beyond your product or service when you are on platforms like LinkedIn, because you do have that, that background and that understanding. And you can't always, as you said, Judy, like develop business, you can't always build a bridge there and then, but you can definitely burn them. And, you know, I think people need to sort of remind themselves of that, that when they're interacting with people online is if it is that, you know, first sales pitch message or, you know, looking for stuff without giving back is, you know, how are you looking to, develop grow or start like new relationships and you can do that in different ways but you can definitely do it in ways that are going to not even achieve that so i think it's just people being mindful of that yes it might be a challenging time right now but you can still sell yourself you can still sell your brand and and who you are and what people know you for to both your points there as well well i will definitely say (laughs) this is a unscientific uh number here but it feels like every time I see a post about spam, it's like eight out of 10 people are basically in the comments saying, I block, I block and disconnect. <laughs> Obviously, it's not a scientific eight out of 10. It's not like the dentist recommending a toothpaste or anything, but it is, it's just an observation. So many people are very, very much almost just offended. And I, I kind of understand. It feels like a little scratch every time somebody sends you, look at me, look at me, look at me, look at my content, look at my, you need this uh, thing that I am offering you. And I'm like, I just met you five seconds ago. I don't, I don't Mm. need your blueprint to better LinkedIn results because did you read my profile? Like, (laughs) I think I'm doing okay. And I don't need your, like, it's just really off. It's off and it's awkward, and I just notice a ton of people literally tell everybody they are willing to just shout out, I block and I delete those connections. Because the other reason is if I look like I'm connected to one of those people that is spamming people, then they connect with them because we have a connection in common. It starts to get me a potential like, oh, who is she connected with? Because I just connected with somebody that's in her network and they spammed me super bad. So. it's a good point. And as the saying goes, you know, it takes a lifetime to put a reputation. It can take minutes to lose it. And mm. I think it's really important. And, and this is a, one of the main reasons why there is so much fear around starting the posting. And, and it is, it's crazy hearing Judy's story earlier about um, being nervous about the first video when, you know, you cut, was it two years ago and you're, you're doing a, a video where you were commentating on the royal wedding just to show yes. how far you've gone. <laughs> um, but, but, I'm totally fine now, but I started video in 2008, I think, 2008. Yeah. yeah so it is really, and it's good to know that's really encouraging because it means for people, you know, who look up to you that actually everyone starts there to begin with. Um, I do think it's, I think it's one of those things that there's a lot of fear. And I, I definitely felt differently the first time I posted on 
LinkedIn, even though I've been doing it uh, commercially, let's say, on Facebook and Instagram for many years before. Because when I was about to click post, I, I remember thinking to myself at the time, there's 15 years of clients, colleagues, employers, all of them potentially who will probably see this or many that will. But I think that's a good thing. I think it's good because it makes you think to yourself, well, is this good then? Am I putting out rubbish? Am I just going for the clicks? Am I one of these people who just reposts videos from YouTube that I know will go viral because, you know, everyone likes ducklings? Or am I going to do something valuable here? And, and it was, it's good because in my head, I hold it in my head, not a worry about what other people think, but a, 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 like a duty of care to my audience. So, so right, so what is going to be useful? What are all those professionals, you know, in the city, in London, are they going to be like, yeah, that guy knows his stuff, or what's this? I remember that guy. What an idiot. Look at him now. And it, again, it's not the validation or, or anything like that. It's like, well, let's serve them. Come on. And so I think we should be looking at it not through the lens of fear because we worry about our reputation. And so many companies I hear are worried about getting their head above the parapet and, and speaking out. Um, far better is to say, you know what, let's try it. And you, you have to really go for it to get it wrong. Um, I, you know, most people were forgiving. Plus at the start, no one's really going to see you that much. So you can practice a bit. And I just think that it's a, it's a good way of falling behind quickly if you're not deploying uh, on these kind of spaces at the moment. Although 12,000 people watched my first video I posted on LinkedIn. <laughs> <laughs> they knew you were coming. I went like, oh, I was that like, Judy what is this? <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing. I mean, that's, that's the crazy thing with LinkedIn, especially. Like, you, you really can't miss the distribution, and that's what's so spectacular. And yeah. you can start today, and you'll get 10 or 50 times the views you'd get on a, on a Facebook video. And so that's the... the it's an absolute gift. And I find it hilarious, uh, just as an aside, that at the moment people are lamenting about not getting as much engagement or traffic on LinkedIn. And it's like, it's free. And you got 8,000 views last night. Give up the crying and just get happy about the fact that most of the right people are checking you out. So I think it's a really big gift right now. We should be paying them for this, to be honest. <laughs> I'm still seeing a lot of the same level of commenting and liking. I think what LinkedIn did recently was make the views probably closer to what they might have actually been of people watching the actual full video. It's again, it's not scientific. I don't know that from LinkedIn's mouth for a fact, but I have heard that they've tightened up what they consider a view. So Yeah. As opposed to technically saw uh you know, I scrolled like, past it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's a view. It does not count. You get a lot of people getting a bit excited about that. I totally agree. I think it's pretty what happened. Mm. I pay more attention to like what we're talking about. Sales truly is people coming over to your profile. If I'm driving traffic over to my profile, that view is not a pretend view. They've looked and clicked on my profile. And how many clicks on your profile per month do you really need to sell? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Really what I love about the platform is as well that you can, people can find you without even intentionally looking for you in the first place. It's like one of the very few platforms where you can accidentally come across someone without even intending to look for them. You don't even have to search you in a bar. Like you said, if you're creating good content and you've got connections who are, have mutual connections of second and third, like looking at that, then you're, you're building something up where someone could come on and go, oh, hang on a second. I wasn't even in, I didn't even know this was a child 
problem or I didn't even know this was out there until I've actually come across you. But that's why when you get second and third connections who comment or, or like, or and they are seriously good leads when they look at your profile, as Julie says, you need to give them special treatment. Mm-hmm. Not that you wouldn't the first connections, but you've already <laughs> captured them. But it should be, you know, I would always write to them a meaningful comment and tag them and so on. But then I'll also add, I hope you drop by again for some more. Like, thank you so much. And make them feel welcome. That was welcome. the ask. Yes, the ask. <laughs> so you, want to, you want to validate the their decision to go from curiosity to taking action. You know, and, and Judy will know, having uh, being an owner of a dog, that when the dog does a trick, you should give it a treat. And the treat is some return compliments uh, and to get them to come back again. And, <laughs> it's the same and that's thing. me doing touch, 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 touch. <laughs> <laughs> so let's say people listening to this who maybe aren't using the platform as much as they can or are still quite apprehensive of doing so. What's If you were to start again, like right now, what are like one or two things that you would do to... To, to take action on some of the things we talked about to start doing some of the, the end goals of what we discussed. All right, so Julie, now what's, do you want to do rock, paper, scissors? <laughs> <laughs> um, you go back, you go back. Uh, I So part of my coaching, I actually go over how to think of restarting on the platform anytime you take a break. Because if you've watched my content, I take breaks all the time from putting content out because I consider my platform to be sustainable. So I, what I look at is, like I said, how many profile views do I have to be averaging to know that I'm going to consistently get business? And I've worked that number out. And then truly, I only have to just keep posting when I want to pop that number back up. So what I tell people is to be focused on other people's content first, go out and see what conversations are happening on the platform. So if I'm going to always start over, that's how I think about my own content is I don't assume anyone owes me anything. So no one ever owes me a view to my profile of, uh, no one ever owes me a direct message. No one ever owes me anything. So I have to go out and earn it all the time. So if I take any amount of break or you're new to the platform, you're going to first go out and earn it. You're going to go out and comment. You're going to go out and pay attention to what the platform wants and needs and is currently talking about. You're going to pay attention to the today's news and views, see what's hot topics that people are talking about. Um, You join in all the conversations. If there's a viral hashtag going around like 10 tips in 10 days was a very popular one, join it. So that's how I think about the platform. It's an opportunity to always be new, if that makes sense. Because I think looking at it with those eyes, you end up creating a more sustainable platform on LinkedIn. So go out, get, or go give what you want to get. <laughs> so, totally right. Totally right. And I think and there's a really good point. That works for both those returning and, and those who are joining the first time. Uh, I, I coach the same points basically and I just think it makes a lot of sense to go and get your audience as opposed to sit on your throne and wait, wait for them to come to you and too many people who are literally in day one will try content and they'll post something and they'll be like well no one's showing up like what's this about and like you like you say you go and get you've got to go and get it and and it I, all I remember at the start and I do my best to continue and it's harder as it goes on but but at the very start it was 
a huge disproportionate amount of time spent engaging with other people's staff because you want to be that familiar face around those that are well known and around the the, the topic areas where you work. But uh, if you want a, a really good hack, by the way, if you're especially going to do content, Chris, um, one thing one thing I did at the very start was identify those who had decent networks and a following. Um, uh, so kind of like the the, the um, content creators that were well known. And I jumped onto to calls with them. I did some kind of collaborations with them. Uh, and one of the first ones I did uh, was a guy called Brian Shulman, who had like 20,000 followers at the time. I was like, I had like three. So I um, we jumped on a call, had a Zoom chat side by side, and I posted that. And so, of course, I could, um, I was valid in tagging him. And so he, with a bunch of his network, then showed up. And if you really want to step change, then work out how to be viral, which is kind of hard, or you can really, you know, as well as being consistent, you can really work well with with collaboration with people who have a big network that really helps step you up. And, um, you, you know, Judy Fox and I and both have, have both done things with Bridget Hyacinth in the past, who's someone who's got millions of views. And, uh, and but, but even people who are like, you know, only say 50 or 100,000, when you do something with them, there's a bigger bunch of people who are going to show up around your content can't do it every day, but it's a nice way of stepping up and getting a great surge of visibility. You'll get a few hundred followers there. But just if anyone needs any validation that Judy knows what she's talking about in terms of coming back to the platform, I believe it was four years you had off social media a long time ago. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, basically, I was active in the direct messages on LinkedIn okay. and networking on LinkedIn, but I was not content creating across any social media at all. I was not liking, I was not commenting, I was doing no public activity. I was doing private activity. Bouncing straight back can really yes. happen. You just got to do the right things. And uh, I think that's a really important point is that it's not like this huge long runway you have to take. You've just got to get out in the audience and, and become familiar like with anything else. One of my bits of advice, which links to what you've both said there, is is not just thinking you need to build a huge network straight away of just adding people for the sake of adding people. Yeah. I think, you know, when I spoke to uh, Quinton Allums on Series 1, I was talking about this, and I used the analogy, it's a bit like having a house party in that, you know, you invite loads of people into your house party, but if you're not saying hello to them or speaking to them, when it comes to you asking them to do anything in that party, they're just going to be like, who's this guy? Like, yeah. why is he standing up on the table? Like, no one cares. So it might look like you've got a big audience, but you haven't really engaged with people. So I think it's just, as you've said, take the time along the way to engage with everyone that either wants to connect with you or you want to connect with for, for a meaningful reason and build that up over time to, to create that kind of audience that, that feel like, do you know what? I want to interact with that person because they've spent time interacting with me. Mm. Well, the same you. thing. Uh, I was just going to say with Quentin Allums and Chantel Sumas, they were two people that I had talked with before I put my first video out on LinkedIn. So I was it made sense that I tagged them and I thanked them in that post. And I said, you know, thank you to Chantel. Thank you to Quentin for encouraging me to start sharing my voice and my, put my videos out here. And because they had spent some time with me and paying attention and talking with me. So that, like you just said, you know, for me to get my first video at 12,000, it wasn't just about me. It was about being a part of a community about joining the conversation and not just not walking into a house party and be like, I'm here. It's like walking into the house party and being like, hey, and then walking up to the different groups and introducing yourself because you are brand new 
but you don't look awkward just shouting your name into the LinkedIn <laughs> platform. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's worth adding there that there's, there's um, if you want like the real secret sauce in this, it's not just doing it at the start, it's continuing to. So like uh, Quentin and I, last week, we're on WhatsApp together. And last night, uh, in, like I think Judy sent me a voice message and I sent her one on Instagram and, and Chantel... And her husband Trent were in London, and we had all the uh, drinks together. Oh, yeah. And fan went to a pub, like, and there's all that stuff underneath the surface. Not mm. even, as, as you rightly said, Judy, not even in their comments behind the scenes. That whole community, if you treat them like you would your friends, literally on WhatsApp, hey man, how's it going? And, and like, what are you up to? And things like that. It's so important because that's what makes them want to show up for you properly, rather than that. Oh, you tagged me. Oh. I suppose I kind of knew you a little while back. You get a like then. And it's, you know, don't try and game your friends, you know, do something meaningful with them. And I think it's a lot of work, but it's also very stimulating. And, and never before has being social, uh, being being social, being so practical, I think. And it's a really good thing to do. Behind the scenes, all that effort is, is worthwhile. Mm, I think absolutely. when we think about it, the corporate and business world translates to you want to just do business with people you enjoy spending time with. If you're going to have to spend time with them on a project, and I was the gatekeeper at many companies for millions of dollars to be the gatekeeper to open it up and say, okay, here's the request for proposals and the ones that came in. But also I paid attention to who was, okay, I really, really liked this company. They have a good proposal. You can't discount the work and what the proposal and what the work will be. But you end up sometimes picking and wanting to pick the people that you were like, yeah, we're going to get along. They're going to fit our culture. They're going to fit our vibe. And there's, there's nothing that speaks to results as to getting along and getting the work done and enjoying it along the way versus being a dredge or not being able to actually like want to do the work <laughs> so it's powerful yeah there's, mm. there's no coincidence I, I can't speak for Judy but there's no coincidence that the people I use in freelance roles are all people that I know well and can, we consume each other's content and we get on well we've met each other and things like that and you know, a part of the same kind of ecosystem as opposed to be looking for the cheaper version or or someone who might even be superior. And it's set, like my brother-in-law is a locksmith. If I need my lock picked, it'll be him. Like he might be cheaper than someone else or more expensive. He might not be that good. It's my bro. So I'm going to use him, aren't I? So it's the same here. You know, people like working with people I like working with. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Judy and Richard, it's been a, a real pleasure. Thank you so much for your, your insights today. I've, I've really enjoyed it. You're very welcome, mate. Thank you very much. Yes, thank you so much. And remember, follow all of our hashtags. Hashtag you, I, Fox well, Rock, I was just about to go into that. <laughs> and hashtag not another sales guy. <laughs> I was going to take that snippet of you saying that. I always have to do this for some reason, like I'm telling you a secret. <laughs> <laughs> so so to link to that, actually, follow, for, for people tuning in that aren't accustomed for whatever reason, to what's going on in your world, apart from the hashtags, is there anywhere else that they should go to find you, uh, Richard? I'm not, unfortunately, you can't search Richard Moore and I just come out. I think it probably works for you, do. It doesn't work for me. It's too many of us. But um, yeah, if you just go to therichardmoore.com, uh, all my channels on the homepage, or hook up with me on LinkedIn. So it's linkedin.com slash in slash Richard James Moore. Again, Richard Moore's taken. Uh, Same middle name? 
strong middle names, strong middle names. And Judy? Well, you can, it's J-U-D-I. That's the key to my name. So that's why looking at my hashtag, hashtag Fox Rocks on LinkedIn, sometimes people can remember that. But the J-U-D with the I is the key. If you Google my name and you Google it correct, J-U-D-I-F-O-X, it will be all me everywhere, which is really exciting. I took over the Judy from Zootopia because she was kind of filling that up because the Fox was also in Zootopia. So oh, I'm yeah, doing good with that Google search. I've taken over page one. Oh. Very excited that I claimed it. But um, if you do accidentally put a Y, it will be naked sculptures. So she's an artist. <laughs> she's probably She's incredible. I'm advertising her right now, but basically we're competing and we have two totally different vibes. So (laughs) J-U-D-I. For for mine, if I type it in, uh, it is, did you mean Chris Hadfield, which is a famous astronaut? (laughs) So that's a little mini mission of mine. (laughs) No, it doesn't mean Hadfield. We're looking for Hatfield. (laughs) 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 Well, uh, thank you both again. And for the listeners, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Not Another Sales Podcast. Hey people, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Not Another Sales Podcast. If you want to find out more and connect with me, you can find me on LinkedIn under Chris Hatfield, H-A-T-F-I-E-L-D, or on my website, www.notanothersalesguy.com. That's www.notanothersalesguy.com. Stay tuned in future for some courses and free content on there as well. But for now, have a good one and I'll catch you soon.